Praise God. So this morning I want to share the sermon, God Deserves the Best. And we'll be looking at the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. And I believe that is a prophet that is so actual. If we consider around us the world and the culture that there is in, uh, in the church, I believe that sometimes we, we can reflect ourselves in this book of the Bible. So we will be looking at the chapter 3 of this book. Eventually we will read a portion gradually uh, during the sermon. But I want to just introduce in saying that Malachi was a God's messenger for a time that was very unique for the history of the people of Israel. We don't know a lot about Malachi. But we know that maybe this is not truly his name. Because Malachi in itself, in Hebrew, means my messenger. And uh, that's why it's so important that we pay attention. Because it's God's messenger for us. And God's word never changes. It's always relevant for our lives. The best uh, evidence points that he maybe could be used by God to speak his people around uh, 450, 430 before Christ's coming. And uh, some scholars agreed that Malachi was contemporary of Nehemiah, at least some part of the ministry of Nehemiah. And then what we know about Malachi, that Malachi was uh, sent by God to denounce the spiritual apathy of his nation. The people of Israel returned back in the uh, land of uh, Judea, after 70 years of deportation in the region of Babylon. And God sent them there because of their apostasy, because of their idolatry that was rampant in the nation. So God purged his people in the land of Babylon. So idolatry was not so evident as it was before they were sent to exile. But what happened that when they came back, if there was no idolatry outside, something was built in the heart of the people. And uh, was apathy towards God. Yes, God was very important to them, but it was not truly what God was expecting from them. There were sacrifices, uh, sung, were sung, uh, other things were done to honor God, but one thing was really lacking in the nation the love. For God. It was not fellowship with God. And Malachi denounced that very clearly. And then Malachi had a unique way uh, of expressing himself and expressing God's voice to these people. It's the only book of the Bible where you find this debate, this confrontation between God and his people. God speaks and the people of Israel respond to that talk with a question. And God answers back to them, saying why he has some remarks against them. So there is this interesting back and forth that makes this book very unique and interesting for all of us. And as Malachi was approaching issues and topics that were very important for the nations, I believe that his remarks are so important for us. Because unfortunately, like the people of Israel, we can easily fall in the trap and offering God something that is very religious, but lacking the love and the commitment that we need to have towards a holy God. And that's why we need to look at this as God speaking to us this morning.
And I want to bring some points out of this chapter 3. First of all, holiness is God's refining process in our lives. We are serving a holy God. We are serving a God that is demanding from us consecration, holiness. So if we can read maybe the five uh, first verse and make some explanation on this part of the chapter. And may the Lord add his blessing to his word as was prayed. Malachi says in chapter 3 verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and what can stand before his appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purify of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah in Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a sweet witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who trust Aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. So in Malachi's day, worship was the celebration of very convenient faith. What we're learning here is that the people of Israel were having the appearance of a godliness. But in reality, they were denying the power that it was in their worship. And this is the first challenge that I see happen to our lives when we have the appearance of worshiping God and then we deny his power in our lives. The first thing that we can see here that the people of Israel were used to offer animals to God that were not according his own standards. If we go back in chapter 1 of this chapter, this book, you will discover how people were bringing animals that were injured they were defected. So they thought, oh, we have an animal that is no good. It's almost to die. Let's bring to the Lord and make a sacrifice to him. And this was against the scriptures. The law of Moses, clearly, if you go back in Leviticus chapter 22, verse from 17 to 25, states that an animal that were injured, they were not supposed to be offered to the Lord. Very clearly. It was an offense to God offering an animal that was injured or defected. And by bringing the worst, the people of Israel, they were showing deeply what kind of love they had for God. These people knew the holiness of God, how God was serious with them, how God forced them to be deported in Babylon, in a foreign nation, just to learn to love him back. And what was the result? They were offering things that were defected. And that's why God was upset with them. And let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. God deserves our best from us. 
We cannot give him leftovers. God wants the best from all of us. And this means you challenge your own identity. This means you challenge our own character. This means challenge who we are. Many times we hide ourselves. Oh, I'm like that. Yes, you are like that. But God can change your heart. Can change my heart. There is a work that God does in each one of us. Through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And that's why God is presented here himself as a refiner of silver and gold. And it's interesting here that he says that we'll purify the house of the Levites. The Levites were the people that were leading the people of Israel in worshiping God. So God is starting from the top to the bottom. There is always a refining that starts in the hearts of the leadership. There is always a heart that needs to be full of His grace and purification and holiness and consecration on those who are demanded to lead the people of God. God's solution to their apathy was to refine them as silver and gold. He's using this image of the silver. And silver in the Bible represents, in majority of the cases, redemption. And the gold represents a faith that is tested, tried by God. So it will refine us through the work of redemption, through the work of testing our faith. And this is something that God delights to do in us, not because he hates us, but because he loves us, because he cares for us. He will see it as a refiner and purifier of silver. In refining both silver and gold, one needs to hold the silver in the middle of the furnace. So it was a really a difficult work and dangerous work. Because the furnace was supposed to overpass 1,000 Celsius degrees to allow the silver and the gold to melt. You know, no one would like to be in the middle of that furnace. No one of us would love to, stay, to be tasted in such high temperature. But what is encouraging for me and you is that God is sitting before the furnace. Is watching on us, is watching on us while we have been refining in the furnace. His eyes are on us. Praise God for this. And then, even to refine the silver, if the temperature will go above a certain temperature, the silver will be destroyed. So the refiner must know exactly when is the time to remove the silver. Out of the furnace. And this is a beautiful illustration, my brothers and sisters, that God knows exactly what we can hold. And that's why He doesn't allow that we are tempted, tested more, but we can take. He knows exactly also the time that we need to stay under the trial. And uh, another beautiful thing is about the refining process. That the refiner will understand when the silver and the gold is pure, when he's able to reflect his image in the gold or the silver in itself. And this speaks about the redemption work of Christ, the holiness, the transformation. God will work in you, will work in me until his image is reflected in our lives, until the image of Christ 
will be reflected in us. Until we'll be transformed to the perfect image of Jesus Christ. So when you are passing under the refiner fire, praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him because He's working in you for a good purpose, for a good, a good reason. So God is refining us. And then after the refining process, there is a, a, a beautiful product that comes out. The silver, the gold has so much more value. And the life of those people... There is an effect of being refined that was resulting in worshiping that was pleasing God. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord, it says verse 3. Then the offering of Judah in Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former days. As God's people go through the refining process, they will be restored. They will be healed. They will be removed from the dross of sins, from the dross of things that can separate us from God. God is at work. As we are working in us, God will be delighted to see his result coming and see how we are able to worship him in a different way. In a way that he is pleased. In a way that he is delighted and then as it was mentioned in the prayer, God delighted himself to be in the midst of his people. He delights to see people that are willing to offer him a sacrifice of, uh, that is, uh, of the heart that is living and pleasant to him. And when I speak about worship, whatever we offer to the Lord in worship and whatever you do for the Lord, have to be your very best. Your very best. And excellence in worshiping God is never about perfection. It's about giving whatever you can give it to the Lord as your best in that moment. We will never be able to worship God in our perfection because we are imperfect yet. We are potentially perfect because the blood of Jesus has removed from us all the blame, all the accusations, all the sins against us. But the true perfection will be revealed when it will be in the presence of God. Today we are battling with our flesh. Today we are battling with our emotions. Today we are battling with our feelings. Today we are battling to the fact that we sin. And that's why we need to go back to the Lord. Lord, I'm a sinner. This is what I have. But what I have I offer to you at my best capacity. Please, have mercy me. Work on my life. And when God sees the humble heart, he will do amazing things in us. Because he's a faithful God. He loves when we come to him with a repented heart. He loves when we stand before his throne with an humble heart, with a contrite heart. This is what the Bible clearly says. That God delights in seeing his people with a contrite heart. Is delighted in it. But the opposite is true also. That when we offer God less than your very best. Whatever is your time. Your talent. Your efforts. You are not truly worshipping his name. You are worshipping yourself. God deserves our best. Sadly you can give God second best. Or the leftovers instead of 
your very best. And this is something that we need to confront in our lives. As individuals, as a church, as families. And when you gather for worship here on Sunday morning with us, with the people of God, are you giving your best when you come in the house of God? More we surrender to God, more we give our best to Him, more blessing comes to our lives. More understanding comes of the holiness of God. Of the privilege that we have to stand, not in our own righteousness, but covered by the righteousness of Christ. Alone we cannot stand before a holy God. But we appreciate the grace that was given to us through Jesus. We appreciated that we were not able to stand before him, but grace was given to us. We were blind in our own righteousness, but grace was given to us. We truly start to discover how bad we were without Christ and how appreciative we are of what God has done in us and what is continuing to do in our lives. And that's why we come here to worship him. So God is at work in our lives. God is willing to take seriously our worship because he cares for us. And when we worship God, God is not asking something because he needs that. He's giving the opportunity, the privilege to be part of who, who he is. Peter says that we are being saved and we are made participants takers of his nature i pray that today we'll be leaving this place knowing that god is giving us the privilege to worshiping him and then the second thing that we can find in this chapter beginning from verse 6 is worshiping is giving us the privilege to give to the lord worshiping through giving look what he says in verse 6 for i the lord do not change Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how we have robbed you in your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and put down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine is the field that shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been not hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of uh, our keeping his charge or of walking as in morning, morning before the lords of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed, evildoers, not only prosper, 
but they put God to the test and they escape. Do you understand the remarks of God here? God's purpose for his people is standing on the fact that God's character never changes. This is an amazing truth that you find in the Bible. God's character never changes. Because if God will change in his character, we will be consumed. We will be destroyed. But God's character never changes. And this is a really a blessing for us. Sometimes we may perceive that God changes. But God is unchanging. He is very stable in whatever he does. Indeed, he longs for us to make the right choices. To make the right decision. And appeals to us in love, in care. If God commands something for us. Or is expecting something from us. It's because he cares for us. It's because he loves us. It's like a loving parent that is say to his own son or daughter. Don't do this because it will be dangerous for you. Don't touch the fire because you will be burned. And what we do as a children, we are prone to do it. Because the rebellion is within our hearts. Right? Today the psychologists use the reverse approach. But God doesn't play those games. He's unchanging. It's truly a longing God. And that's why he's giving us the freedom to make the decision. Because if we were not able to make our own decisions, we will be like the results of a programmed computer. You know, computers are programmed with something that you already predetermined. So the program is specifically programmed in such a way that cannot be a mistake of the software. So God is working our lives in such a way that he's giving us freedom to choose. But in his loving care for us, is giving the opportunity to be admonished, to be advised. His purpose is for us. It will prevail. And since the call of Abraham, he had a specific call for his people. God called Abraham and he made a covenant with him. The covenant is found in Genesis chapter 12 verse 3. And says, I will bless you, those who will bless you. I will curse those who will curse you. And you, all the nations of the earth, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. God didn't change the covenant. They were the people of Israel that rejected the love and care for his nation. God not only gave that blessing, that covenant to Abraham, but also years later gave the law to them. And by obeying to the law, if you go at the end of the Deuteronomy, you will see what blessing will come out of obedience of God's law. But the people of Israel failed to reflect the blessing given to them. And my brothers and sisters, when we miss, when we miss the true meaning of worship, we are missing to give a, a true testimony of God's character. And these people were doing through robbing to the Lord. And he's saying, return to me and I will return to you. Now, I don't want to go in uh, uh, details and speaking about giving here. That's not the point. 
The point is that of the sermon, at least this Sunday, is the fact that worshiping and giving in our days are two different things. People say, I can worship without giving to the Lord. But in the Old Testament, worshiping and giving were one only thing. There was no difference between the two. You cannot worship God without giving. Even when you were going to the priest to make a sacrifice and expiate your sins, you were giving something. And uh, most of the time, whereas uh, products of the earth uh, that you were offering for the storehouse of God. And this was allowing to the priesthood to move on and to be supported because they didn't have any land. When God divided the land into the tribes, the tribal Levi was excluded from that division because they were supported by the giving and the offering of the other people of Israel. So if God says, if you are not giving your tithe, if you are robbing me your tithe, you are not allowing the worship system to be kept. So if you don't give, there is no worship. That's the, the conclusion of uh, God speaking to them. So that's why you robbed me. But come back to me. And you will see how you, I will bless you so much. That people will know that you are blessed. People will know that you are my own people. And they, they will know that this land is no more called a desolate land. But blessed land. My brothers and sisters, we need to understand that God is faithful. God has no second thoughts with us. He cannot change. He is willing to bless us as we honor Him. As we honor Him with a sincere worship, with giving ourselves to Him. And this principle still valid for us today. God wants our best. And by being obedient to the Lord, on the matter of giving, the people were granted the opening of the windows of heaven. This is a wonderful image that uh, the Bible brings to us. In the old ancient times, people were saying that the blessing was coming from heaven because the blessing was identified with rain, especially in those regions. Now, some of us, maybe they come from places where the rain is not common as much here in Canada. We are blessed with so much water here, right? Uh, in many ways, uh, with lakes and snow that we have, the raining, that is messing. But there are places where the water is something rare. The rain is something rare. If there is no rain, there cannot be harvest. There cannot be planting. So when people were blessed to have the rain, had a specific symbology of God's favor on them. In another language, part of the Bible, God says, I will send you the last rain. As a blessing, that was the rain that was coming just before the crop harvest. See, God is faithful to us. And he will open the, the heaven for us. And this was what the Lord invited people to seek. Seek my face. Because this blessing will affect you. The way that you will reflect my name to the other nations of the earth. God's blessing. 
is there. The picture presented here is also represented in the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 24 to 25, where in a remarkable way, Solomon explains, some give it freely, yet grow all the richer. Others withhold what is due, and they only suffer want. A generous person will be enriched, and one who gives water will get water. A generous person will be blessed even more. But those who withhold, try to save, but the end will suffer want. God is calling us to examine our lives. I'd like to give you this uh, words from Warren Wiersbe, one of the commentators uh, that took heart to study the scriptures. He says, I hear this complaint from some believers about their churches. We are not getting anything out of it. But a church is like a bank or a home. You don't get anything out of it unless you put something into it. And listen to what he says now. We serve God because it's the right thing to do. Not because we are rewarded for our service. Or we shall be rewarded. But that is not our main motive to serve God. We serve God, we give to God because he is worthy. Not because we have something back. In his faithfulness, he will never withdraw his blessing to us. But we should be motivated to honor him. And I'm very glad and very happy for many of you that are supporting with your faithful giving the work and the ministry of this church. Without your giving, we will not be able to pay bills, salary, and other expenses that are necessary for the advancement of God's kingdom here in this church. But again, let's understand what God wants from us. These people will say, you know, why we are serving God? There is no, nothing back to us. There is no profit in serving God. You see, they were missing the point. They were missing the point. Now, the third thing that we can learn, and this is the last portion of this chapter, is that God's promise to those who fear his name are faithful. God's promise to those who fear his name are relevant even today for you and I. Let's read the last three verses from verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. In a book of remembrance it was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possessions and I will spare them as a man spares his own who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. You see, God has always preserved his own people. Even though the most Israelites were self-righteous and they thought they were good with God. 
There was a remnant of people that they talked to each other and say, we must take a stand. We must worship God as he wants to be worshiped. We cannot compromise our faith. We cannot jeopardize what is our mission, our purpose as a people of God. These who fear the Lord are those who have accepted and committed themselves to love God despite the circumstances. Those who are looking to Jesus as the author and the finisher of their faith. They were focused on the Lord, not on the world around them. And brothers and sisters, this is our challenge today. Where we are focusing, where we are placed our heart. Are we focused on God? Are we focused on his provision in our lives? Or we are depending on the economy of the moment? Or we are depending on the circumstances of our culture. Yes, there is importance in that. And that's why we are called to pray for the blessing of the city, of the country where we are living in. But let's remember, folks, that our blessing comes from the Lord, not from the government. Our blessing comes from whom is on the throne even today. Our restoration, our healing, our salvation, our eternal life comes from the one who died for us and gave his life for our sins. Those people, they feared the Lord. It was not being scared of God. They held him in awe. They worshipped him because it was the most important things in their life. They worshipped the Lord Almighty. They worshipped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They worshipped the God who made a covenant with them. Praise God for this. And this is an example for us to follow. And then what they do? They spoke. They speak to one another in love. Oh, praise God for this. I love when the people of God speak together to encourage one another in God's ways. They regularly got together for fellowship to encourage one another. The times were not easy for them. But they find the strength in encouraging one another. They're finding strength in fellowship together and gathering together. And this is an example for all of us. As a people of God, we need to fellowship one another. We need to stand together. That's why the small groups and other ministry that we have in the church. We need to encourage one another. Where you will find your encouragement today? You will find a school where they teach you things that are not in accord, in agreement with the word of God. Do you find the encouragement in the atmosphere that many times you find at your workplace? Do you find your encouragement in the government that is leading us with a law that sometimes are clearly against the word of God? No. Your spiritual growth comes from the encouragement that you receive from the body of Christ. Where Christ is lifted up, where his name is proclaimed, has holy. That is their encouragement. And that's why those who fear the Lord, they were talking together. In truth, to lift him up, the name of Jesus, but also to edify each one. To build up the church, to impart grace on those who were part of the remnant. And they speak to one another, I'm sure, with a conversation that were godly conversation. You know, there's nothing wrong 
if when we meet, we talk about sports. And I'm a big fan of soccer, you know that. I don't mind to talk about soccer when I meet with people that I know they have the same passion. But it's always good to keep our conversation as brothers and sisters in what God is doing in our lives. Don't be afraid to say and to share what God has done in you. Brother, how are you doing with your walk with God? You know, God this morning blessed me so much while I was in church. God blessed me so much today as I approached somebody and he, I prayed for them. God blessed me so much when I shared the gospel. God blessed me so much when I saw my child coming home and asking me to pray for him for a little boo-boo that he had. Speak about what God is doing in your life. Lift up the name of Jesus in your conversations. Don't waste time in other things. That's the true fellowship that we have to one another. And also they esteemed, they honored the Lord's name. They talked to each other about his work in their lives. Again, to give him praise, to give him honor in that. The response to such kind of men and people it was amazing. A book of remembrance was written to record their names. <laughs> to me, the thought that God is up in heaven, writing a book, is, uh, <laughs> it blows my mind. <laughs> it's like he needs to record whatever we say we do to honor him. It's something that really <laughs> touched me. I can only imagine God being delighted by listening to our conversation and uh, putting notes and saying, oh, those people, they love me. They are so pleased with what I'm doing in their lives. And takes note. I like that. Can you imagine when you praise the Lord and worship, when you come and you open your heart before God, God is taking notes, but not to blame you, but to praise you. So no one can, re, can forget what you have done. And you know why? I believe it's not because it's like us that we forget easily. When I was younger, I rely more on my memory. Now I'm starting to take notes because I forget easily. And you know what is the problem? That I forget to consult the notes that I wrote. That's even worse. God is not like that. But remember, we have an accuser. And the accuser of the brother has a name. Satan. One day God will show the book of remembrance. No one can cancel the book because it is written by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the book has your name, my name, when we worship God. Oh, praise the name of God. Let us love the name of God. Let us speak about him. Let's show to this world that we are in love with God. We love our Lord. We love our Savior. We love his name. We love his work. And that's why you are here this morning. Because we are in love with our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to know more about him. About his word. Not only God writes the, our name in those book of remembrance. But also God loves and appreciates those who are spiritual and mature. To the point that they become their possession. Special treasure in his hand. Try to imagine. You are. A precious jewel for God. Doesn't matter how the world pictures you. 
doesn't matter how the Satan is coming to accuse you. For God, you are precious as a jewel. And all depends on how you stand before him. Look at the word of God. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own who serve him. You see, God will spare us from judgment. God will save us from condemnation. And later, the Apostle Paul in chapter 8 of Romans, verse 1, says that there is no more condemnation. No more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Today we are standing here. We deserve condemnation. But because of Jesus' grace, we are set free. I praise the name of God this morning because I know, I know that we are part of his own people. I know that we'll be spared by judgment, not because of my own righteousness, but because of the finished work of Calvary, because of what Jesus accomplished in my life, in your life. And if today you are here you have not made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I truly encourage you to give your heart to Jesus. I truly encourage you to learn how you can honor God. I truly encourage you to honor Him in the way that He wants to be honored. And let me close this final application. I want to say to you, my brothers and sisters, let's pay attention to God's warnings. Malachi was preaching to a nation that and the majority didn't hear his message. And you know what is the sad part of this? 450 years passed by before Jesus came. And during those years, we have a prophetic silence. God didn't speak to this nation. 450 years. You see, God cannot speak if we are not paying attention to his word. And God cannot speak to your heart and to my heart if we are not paying attention to his own spirit. First of all, let us not allow a cold, hard, distant relationship to develop between us and our Heavenly Father. Take heed of those symptoms. Let's do our best not to grow cold with God. If we have neglected the prayer, if we are neglected to read the Bible, if we are neglected to come and gather with other believers, let's not dwell on that. Let's start to invert the trend. And then let us not give ourselves permission to live a half-hearted and disobedient life before God. If God speaks to us, let's obey. Let's not be able to quench the Holy Spirit of God. If God spoke to you this morning, put in action. Put action to what you heard. And then let us not offer God less than our very best and expect Him to bless us. As you give your best, very best to God, live with the expectation that God faithfully will bless your effort. Amen? Can we all stand in God's presence?